Oi, governor. Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And Louise is here, too. And we just want to thank you, in And thank you for tuning into our show today, where we're going to be talking about... What are we talking about, Alex? Spontaneous... <laughs> Human combustion. I was about, that was me on fire. <laughs> yeah, Alex, there's nothing to joke about. Nothing to mm. joke about. I'm going to go over some cases, some real-life examples here soon. Yeah, sounds like yeah. fiction. Be respectful. Um, so anyways, yeah, we're talking about spontaneous human combustion today, and I just want to say we do have an episode on our Patreon where we go over some of this, but this is going to be just a little bit different than that, so thank you to all of our patrons for uh, for tuning in anyways, because I think we'll have some some different information in this episode than we did on Patreon. Yeah, sure. Um, James, how you been? Been good, how are you? We're hanging in there, man. Our toilet just started yeah. working again. Uh, I was I was gonna say like uh, for for those of you who didn't have the privilege of hearing it, uh, <laughs> it was kind of like Silent Hill ASMR. Like this is what I hear. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> like it was very spooky. Yeah, yeah. Our toilet has been clogged for a couple of days, not because of us. Because of a small child that lives with us. Yes, because of a small child who uses too much toilet paper and is just insane. So anyways. (laughs) It's very loud, though. James is right. Yes. All of a sudden, we're sitting here getting ready, and then there's this loud noise in the background. I said, oh, I think the toilet just just unclogged. And Alex runs in there, starts celebrating, making sure it's unclogged. (laughs) And so... By celebrating, we mean walking loudly and coughing and then mumbling. So it was, yeah. it was very silent hill. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, so anyway, that's the most exciting thing to happen to us lately. James, surely there's something more exciting happening in your life. Uh, I tried to rehouse Oolong, and uh, they got real mad and just threat postured me the whole time, so I gave up. Listen, Oolong knows what Oolong wants. Is Oolong the Which one can kill you, James? That's Chai, uh, That's right? Chai. Oolong oh. is the biggest arachnid in the world, but right now they're just a baby. So they're not the biggest yet. Ooh. How big are... How Sounds big, like false advertising. How me. big do you think that Oolong <laughs> is going to get? Uh, I mean, legitimately could be 12 inches toe-to-toe. Could be a foot. That upsets me, James. Mm. I don't wild. like that. Yeah. How big is the terrarium going to have to be for a foot? foot-long spider. It's just going to have to live in James' bed. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be a pretty dang big one. I mean, have to be at least three times as big as they are. Wow. You should be ashamed of yourself, James. That mm. thing belongs in the wild. Oh, you, and nah. you belong in the wild with it, though. You can swing from the yeah. trees and eat birds together. Yeah, eat there birds together, James. There yeah. you go. Yeah, what do you Sounds feed nice. a foot-long spider? Birds. Uh, whatever fits in their mouth, really. <gasps> like a mouse? <laughs> Oh, well, people do do that, but I actually discourage it for two reasons. One, the ethics. I mean, you're killing a mammal for a non-mammal. Like, that's that's just biological treason. And then two, a lot of people don't know this, calcium is actually antagonistic to chitin formation. So it's actually bad for the tarantula. Like, the meat is okay, but the bones aren't really good for tarantulas anyway. So, you know. Listen to that. The more you know. Yeah. Yeah, chitin formation. Chitin. Chitin formation. You should be. Oh my, Alex. Chitin formation. That sounds like a decent show. It yeah. does. It does. Um, 
Okay, well, cool. I'm glad that Oolong is getting what Oolong wants. Even though Oolong really wants you to call him a he. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling. I had a dream about Oolong. It's a boy. Uh, I think you're probably right, actually. Yeah, I had a dream, James. Just flip them over. Flip flip them over. Yeah. Tell us. Okay, one last spider question, and then I promise I'm done okay. talking spiders. How do you tell if a spider is a, a male or a female? With non-tarantulas, it's so easy. You could do it at a glance. Like, I could, it, it's hard to show on here, but I could teach somebody with pictures, and they would never have to worry about that again. They could do it at a glance for every spider. Hmm. However, with tarantulas, it's not external. So usually you have to wait for them to molt, and then you take the molt, and you put it in soap water to make it soft, and then you pry it open, and then you look for a flap, and if there's a flap, it's a girl. It's oh. that complicated. Have you taken the molt yet? Or is the uh, molt no, because they too always small? eat theirs. They always destroy theirs, Ew. and they're small, so yeah. Ew. I mean, they don't, like, eat them. They just kind of, like, destroy them. Well, then you need to watch Oolong grab it before he destroys his next mm. one. Put a yeah, pink and a blue rock in there and see which one it picks. There, there you go. go. There you go. Um, okay, enough about spiders. Is it time for hearty hellos? Hearty yep. hellos. Okay, you guys, hearty hello. Today we are going to be saying hello to everybody in the Philippines because the Philippines has had lots of listens lately. So thank you to everybody in the Philippines. We also want to give a hearty hello to everybody in Ireland that is listening, because that has been another one of our top listening countries. And then here in the U.S., man, almost the entire map is filled out. So you, United States of America, thank you so, so much. We are going to give a hearty hello to Florida. Oh, wow. For most of the things that happen here, happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, on the show. Yeah, Incidentally, sorry. Florida and Ireland are both getting little mini shout outs later. <laughs> Not uh, in a way they yeah. really want, but yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, you know what? I think it's it's time for an icebreaker. James, what is our icebreaker? Yeah, if you could burn at any temperature, no. Um <laughs> since since we can't really handle the combustion side of things, I was thinking spontaneous might be a good icebreaker. Oh. So I'm curious. When is a time that you recall where you said or did something spontaneous, and how did that work out for you? <laughs> oh, that's tough. See, I'm not a very spontaneous person. I used Neither to be a, a little bit more when I was in college, but the time has passed, and now I try to plan everything. And, hmm. James, how about you go first so I can think for a second? Okay. Yeah, most of the times when I've been spontaneous, it's not been good. But I will say, usually when I travel, it's pretty spontaneous. And most of the trips I've gone on, I just got back from a river. I think we talked about that last episode. That was fun and that was spontaneous. Japan was spontaneous. Denver was spontaneous. Usually when I go someplace, it's like last minute. Like, I'll go here. And then I pack my bags. You do do that a lot. It's like you'll send us a message like two days before and say, Hey, I'm leaving country yeah. for seven days. Yeah. Yep. So that, that's it's, very accurate. James, very, very spontaneous. I, I don't know. I'm not a very spontaneous person now that I'm thinking about it. Sometimes you spontaneously Ooh. text me and say, Hey, I'm going to movie tonight. Is that there the most spontaneous go. you get? That's about as crazy as it gets over here, man. I'm feeling a little <laughs> sad about my lack of spontaneity. It's, <laughs> it's Spont- kind of taxi driver. I'm going to be spontaneous and go to a film alone. Do not. Yes. <laughs> It happens. Happens quite a bit. 
And I'm going to Kentucky this week, and Alex is going to be all to his lonesome for a week. It's and so nothing but spontaneity. Yeah, he's going to go see every movie <laughs> under the sun. I think that probably um, the most spontaneous thing that I've done lately is sign up for um, a class to try and improve and grow my skill set as a human being. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. So I want to be able to make money in my sleep. So that's, that's, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Listen, that's probably the most spontaneous I've been. Just the idea of being able to, um, work for myself yeah. and have more time with my kids. It makes me happy. What? Yeah. So James, I, I like that you prefaced your, uh, your answer by saying most of the times your spontaneous are not good and then giving us a good example. Mm-hmm. Now I just want to know all of the bad things that you do. Usually just me thinking something will be fun and then remembering after I get there that that's not what I think of as fun or putting my foot in my mouth. Those are the big two where I try to be spontaneous and it doesn't work out. Oh, James. Mm. Everybody asks you go to a nightclub, you go to a nightclub and you're like, oh, that's right, I hate this. <laughs> like two hours into it. I got you. That would be me too. Although I would just say no because I don't like nightclubs, James. Mm, I can't wait to be on the dance floor. I have a circle around me as my as I. Oh, as I that makes me. Shake. That makes me ill to even think about. I don't like Are me dancing. Me dancing makes you ill. Thanks, Cece. I don't. I don't like crowded places. I don't like it when people press up against me. One of the most uncomfortable experiences of my life was when I went to go see Lincoln Park. And I was on the floor, and everybody smashed together, and I was like, this is awful. Ever since then, I've said, I'm never doing that again. I mm. said I would have a circle as I twerked on the floor. I, I, listen. Listen. I, that, I would actually pay to see that. Yeah, Because I've never seen you mm-hmm. do Anyways. Okay, enough of this. Enough of the spontaneity. Let's hop on into what we're here to do, and that's to talk about spontaneous human combustion. Mm. Okay? Mm. And I'm starting us off today. That's right, Alex. And I'm going to be talking about some instances of recorded spontaneous human combustion. And James, I imagine everybody that's listening to the show already knows what spontaneous human combustion is. But do you want to give a really quick, brief overview? Sure. Yeah, it's it's what it sounds like. It's instances where people who are not in a circumstance where they would normally burst into flame, burst into flame, and they usually end up burning Pretty extensively, like like often reducing the torso to ash. Yes, it's craziness, man. Ooh. Yeah. Or so I'm sharing yeah. some instances. I got a lot of my information from listverse.com. Um, and then also tampabay.com. Way to go. Florida. Shout out to you. Okay, so one thing that kind of caught me off guard is that apparently there are only about 200 reported cases mm-hmm. of spontaneous human combustion that's what i found too yeah which it seems like there'd be so much more just people talk about it you know oh spontaneous combustion but yeah there are only 200 records of like people that is like oh it's possible that they might have just exploded thanks charles dickens charles (laughs) charles dickens i read that he wrote a story about that had spontaneous combustion in it and it made it very popular yeah people have been talking about it for a long time and the first Recorded historical case happened in the 14th century. Mm. 
There's this Italian night guy, and his name was Paulinus Vorstius. Did you say Italian Italian night guy? <laughs> Italian night guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, okay, so can you guys guess what Vorstius' favorite pastime was? I can because I read the story earlier, so I'm not going to I'm, I'm not going to go comment. with uh, the one of the common threads with these people is drinking, so I'm going to go with drinking. Oh, he loved Ooh. to drink. He loved to get inebriated, so. Ooh. He's just out one day. He's enjoying his life. He's singing at a pub because that was his other favorite thing to do when he wasn't being a knight and like fighting people and doing the joust and stuff. And he was just hanging out, singing with some friends, and he was drinking what witnesses say was, quote, very strong wine. Mm. Miss. And all of a sudden, everybody's sitting there. They're laughing. They're having fun. And he burps. Everyone's like, ew, Morseus, that's nasty. And then he starts coughing, and he starts coughing fire out of his mouth. Oh, I didn't see that part of the story. Yes, he coughed it out, and, you know, then he just, he was gone. He exploded. Oh. He was just ashes by the end of the night. Italian night guy, more like Italian night fry. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good. But everyone was puzzled. Everyone was like, what happened to Vorstius? I don't know. Nobody knows to this day. Yeah. But Sounds like a tall tale. It, it probably is a tall tale, but you never know. But that's the first like recorded instance of possible spontaneous human combustion. Mm. When I think mm. about, well, I'm not even going to go into what it could have been because that's what you're talking about, Alex. Not necessarily his case, but you know. Oh yeah, yeah. maybe. So, anyways, yeah, okay. Another case. And this is the case of Frank Baker. And if you want to hear his story, you can hear it. It's on an episode of I think it was the Science Channels. Um, what was it called? Uh, unexplained files. Oh, yeah. He man. went on camera and gave his account. And After he, he burned alive. No, no. Listen, he's one of the few people who spontaneously combusted that survived. Oh, there were only two instances <laughs> that I could find. He was one of them, and then there was actually a baby, a baby well, named. Did Raul. the baby do an interview too? <laughs> the ba- hey, Alex, the baby apparently spontaneously combusted multiple times and survived all of them. Okay. What? But, yeah, I don't listen, James. Uh, I don't know. You can look it, it up. need a wellness check on that kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what a lot of people were talking about. But, anyways, yeah. Frank, he was a Vietnam veteran. And he was, okay, it's June 1985. Frank and his good friend, a guy named Pete Willie, they're about to go fishing, as friends do. And they're just sitting on his couch. They're having a good time laughing, getting ready to go out. When all of a sudden, mm-hmm. boom. Mm-hmm. Frank is just covered in flames and they freak out. They're able to put out the flames and he lives to tell the tale. Thank goodness. But obviously he goes to the doctors and be like, Hey, what happened? I just suddenly was like burning. And the doctor told him, he says, Frank, this burned from the inside out. End quote. And Frank, yeah, you can, you can watch his full story. But that's just another instance and a one that's rare because the person actually survived. Mm, interesting. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. Frank's like, I'll never vape propane again. <laughs> this was in 1985. So it's like, I oh, wonder what's right. happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. James, get off your hot horse. Okay. So, next case. I've got two more. <laughs> Mary Reeser of St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Okay. It's a poor woman. It's the Florida shout out, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. It's a little woman named Mary Reeser. She was a widow who lived in St. Petersburg. She was originally from, I think, Connecticut. It was somewhere in the the um, 
northeast. It was up there, New England. And she's just living in Florida because that's where her kids lived and she wanted to be close to them. But she also hated Florida because she thought it was too hot. Mm. So she was just kind of like a little bit depressed. She didn't want to be there. And she didn't like the weather. It's July 1951. And little Mary, she's 67 years old. She's had a day. It's too hot in Florida. It's sweaty. It's humid. Yuck. She decides that she's going to put on her nightgown. She's going to smoke a little cigarette before she goes to bed. Mm. And she pops two sleeping pills. Oh. Yeah. Because, again, I said she's depressed. Well, next morning, her landlady goes over to her house to drop off a telegram. And she knocks on the door, and the door is warm. And hmm. Mary doesn't come to the door. She touches the doorknob. Ouch. It hurts. It's hmm. hot. So she's like, this is fishy. I'm calling the police. So the police come over, and they open up the door. And poor Mary Reeser is just a pile of black ash, for the most part, in the corner of the room. I saw the picture of them mm. scooping her up. Yes. It's not good. It's a bad picture. But all that was really left, according to the police reports, was the coil from the chair she had been sitting in. Uh, part of her backbone was still there. Ooh. Her left foot was there with its little slipper on. And <laughs> they said that her skull had reportedly, quote, shrunken to the size of a cup. What? I don't know what size uh... cup, but it was a very tiny little cup. And the rest of the room was mostly untouched. So it's like her bed was still perfectly white satin sheets. Um, her newspapers had not burned, but she was reduced to a pile of ashes mostly. Yeah, so I'm calling shenanigans. This is like a murder. Somebody doused her with kerosene and replaced her skull with like a chihuahuas or something. Listen, all the headlines back then call it the cinder woman mystery. Oh uh. yes, and there are lots of theories. Because oh, one slipper's left, it's like a it's it's a play on words, Cinder and Cinderella. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, there were lots of theories as to what happened. Some people said, "What if she was struck by lightning?" Mm. I'm like, okay, sure, a lightning bolt went through her window and hit her perfectly. And I also don't know if a lightning bolt would reduce you to ash. No. I guess maybe she burned. Sure. I don't know. Um, because you know. I guess it could kill you, and then a flame. You'd could think people in the afterwards. neighborhood would have noticed, though, that like a massive lightning bolt entered Ooh. a home. Exactly. Um, some people say maybe it was a napalm, phosphorus, and thermite bomb. Yeah, that happens a lot, especially in the fifties. Yeah. It, listen, I don't know. No, but no one really knows to this day. It's still kind of a mystery. Mm. That's one instance that happened in Florida, and the last instance I'll mention happened. I think it was in Vermont. It's a woman named Phyllis Newcomb. She was a very young victim. She was only 22 years old when this happened. Oh, wow. Um, and she was out with her fiance. His name was Henry. He's adorable, I'm sure. And they're dancing on the dance floor at this dance in Essex. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think it's Essex, Vermont. Anyways, uh, or maybe it's England. Don't quote me on this. Look up her <laughs> name and you'll find the area. But it's 1938. And she's out on the dance floor and... Some witnesses say, and the reason I say some is because there are differing stories as to what happened here. Some witnesses say that she just all of a sudden erupted into a blaze and she was bluish flames, which is something that I found that was kind of similar in all of these cases that I read is that it's not like hot red or orange flames. They're blue flames. So she was in bluish flames and some people say she was reduced to a pile of ash. 
right there on the dance floor, which I think would probably be very hard because when you think about like cremation, it takes a very, very hot oven Mm -hmm. to cremate a body. So every time I see that somebody has been reduced to a pile of ash, it makes me question things because like even when there are house fires and people are unfortunately pass away, there's still usually a body left, you know? Yeah. Sure. But anyways, other versions of this story say that uh, the bottom of her dress, the article called it garment, which I don't know why I hate that word, but I do. It makes me angry. But her garment caught fire uh, as she was leaving the dance floor. And they say that she ran back to the dance floor and then collapsed because she was under such distress. And people tried to put the flames out, but then she died a couple days later at the hospital. So what is the true story? I have no idea because this was 1938, remember? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But her her fiancé thinks that maybe a cigarette butt did it. But then her dad supposedly did a test with the clothes and tried to catch the dress on fire with a cigarette, but was unsuccessful. So he's not convinced that it was a cigarette. That caught her dress on fire, which also surprises me because in 1938, I'm sure all of the clothes were highly flammable. Yeah. But her uh, her death was officially determined to be, quote, an unintentional death for unexplained reasons. Mm-hmm. So was it, was it a, a spontaneous human combustion? I don't know. But God rest her soul. The Hugo. world may never know. Probably won't. And James, I know that you had an instance that you wanted to talk about that Is happened. Is the baby that caught on fire? <laughs> yeah, I'm the- rolling, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no. James has a case that he wants to talk about that happened in Kentucky, of all places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is really interesting. And uh, this takes place in the uh, 19th century. And I just want to point out, this was 1829. Uh, around this time, Lexington had like 6,000 people. And was called the Athens of the West. Like it was like really notable. It was like a really good place of of high learning, and that's important as as you're about to see with a fellow named uh, Charles W. Short, who was a very very intelligent physician and botanist. I, I miss that about the 19th century, by the way, that people could like be multidisciplined. And it wasn't kind of peculiar. Like, it was just normal to be like, you know, oh, I'm a doctor, but I'm also a plant doctor. Like, it was just, I don't know, I think that's cool. But anyway, totally off topic. But uh, at a certain point in uh, 1829, one of the colleges caught fire. One of the college buildings, that is to say. And uh, it was was a really, really devastating fire. And and for the record... uh, the university was founded in 1780, so this was like almost 50 years into it existing. So this, it was notable even then. You know, this wasn't like some new building where things could go wrong because it was poorly built. It had sat there for half a century, just about. But it had burnt down, and uh, it actually made headlines. And, and at the time, it's kind of funny to think about now. Uh, the school was actually so poor, <laughs> even like half the state, for those of you who don't know, um, they actually urged people to donate to to help figure up the costs. Well, Dr. Short, not to be uh, neglectful of his curiosity of what could be happening, he decides, I'm going to investigate this personally. So he did. And he found out that there was a mortality Involved, there was a fella who was somewhere between 65 and 70, 
was about 120 pounds. And uh, I said fella, didn't I? A woman. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm so prone to use that word. Like, just anyway. And uh, like almost everybody we talk about, except for poor baby Raul, I hope, uh, she was pretty big on, on the booze, uh, in particular bourbon. So could be a connection there. So what happened? November 15th, 1829, she was out drinking, hanging out. And she goes back home. She lived alone. And a few hours later, the neighbor smelled a, and this is a quote, unpleasant odor. Pretty broad. You know, Ugh. I don't know if you guys have ever smelled a burning human, but it's awful. It's one of the yeah. worst. Yeah, only ever. on the weekends, usually. I have, James, you say that as though you have smel- smelled that before. I, I have, and I won't go into details. At oh, first, my but gosh, anyway. James. Ugh. Yeah, so it's awful, though. It's one of the worst smells ever. Like, if you've ever had a filling done, you know, that burning feather kind of aroma. Uh, Like, like imagine that, but times a million. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm just saying it's odd that they just call it unpleasant. You'd think they would have called it a lot more than that. But anyway, um, the guy in question actually had a smokehouse. So he's like, oh, snap, my smokehouse is burning. And uh, didn't find anything. So then he checks his neighbor, the victim's house, and there's no indication of there being a fire. So he just thinks, oh, never mind. He goes back to bed. But the next morning, other neighbors noticed that her house was still locked up and the curtains were drawn. And here it is morning. And that's very odd. Um, so they got concerned and they actually broke the front door open. And when they walked in, they uh, found that the room was absolutely full of dense smoke. Now, bear in mind, this is hours later. You'd think that it would have mostly mm, settled at that point. Um, The floor next to the fireplace had something on it, like like a fire had been lit, but water was thrown on it. So it was almost as if someone had tried to put the fire out. Well, there was a black substance, and when they investigated it, they realized this is this is human remains. So. She was so disfigured that, and this is also a quote, she was mistaken for a stick of wood. Oh, bless her bones. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Short looked into it. He he did notice that there were limbs that had not been destroyed, but there were also limbs that had been utterly consumed. And he claimed, and this is also a quote, the entire remains of the body would not have exceeded the weight of 30 pounds, which is about a quarter of what she weighed. So, very peculiar. And they also noticed, and this is to me the weirdest thing about this, this is like the red herring or something. Um, In a pot above the the hearth where she was flipping burnt um, was like just a little potato. Just a little Hmm. potato. Hadn't been burnt up at all. It's like, was she cooking? Because why would you cook one potato? I mean, she could have been drunk and maybe just really craving a potato. I don't know. Um, and we've never been able to, even in modern times, you know, this was, this was 1829. We've never been able to truly ascertain what could have happened. Um, but it is very interesting that almost all these cases, there is, uh, an alcohol factor, you know, and, and more interesting to me is that, in these cases, in her case, yeah, bourbon is very flammable, and it burns blue, FYI. But most of the cases from earlier history predates 
distillation. So, you know, you can't, you can't burn wine. And if you inject alcohol into wet tissues, it's not going to going to burn adequately so that's a very peculiar thing but i have some theories as to why this takes place um and that's assuming that it takes place so first thing that we need to know is you're more likely to spontaneously combust (laughs) this will give you all insomnia between midnight and 6 a.m so there's a six hour window which is the middle of the night and waking so yeah kind of peculiar and also you're much more likely to if you are um, mm, overweight and and very prone to imbibe alcohol. Um, mm. In particular, if you're a, if you are an elderly, overweight woman who lives alone and drinks, look out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but I have some theories about that. So first of all, there have been numerous cases where people who have observed it. Very rarely do people. Observe it, but in the cases where they do, quite often they see a blue flame. There was actually one in uh, 1967 in in England where uh, a woman was on a bus and she saw blue flames. She was like, oh, uh, it must be a gas jet. So she called the fire department. When they get there, they find a a homeless guy who had burned up. And a fireman on the scene said he saw a slit in his abdomen and that blue fire was coming out of it. Yeah. why blue fire? That's the weirdest part. Because, you know, in media, we, we see people just burst into orange flame. But it's almost always blue when people see it. So these are these are some theories. There's really two big ones. I mean, this is a minor one. I don't buy it. Static electricity. It builds up, causes electrolysis. People are mostly water, but that water conducts electricity. If that uh, water broke down into component atoms hydrogen and oxygen, you'd be really flammable because you're basically made of two flammable gases. I think that is absolutely bananas. I don't buy it. I don't think static electricity would uh, account for that. But I would like to talk about something in relation to alcohol, and that is the gut flora. So different people have different biodiverse colonies of bacteria in their gut. And it has a huge effect on, on people. We could make a whole episode about that. Um, it can affect people's mood. It can affect people's psychological behavior. And it can absolutely affect their health in multiple ways. And one interesting thing about the microflora in your gut is they have a lot of waste products, some of which are flammable. One would be methane and one would be uh, sulfine. And the reason I point that out, when I say different people, this is gross, this is weird, this is dangerous, don't do this, do not do what I'm about to describe. But people sometimes, for entertainment, try to set their farts on fire. And, uh, and, and by the way, it's very dangerous, because the fire can go back up inside you and burn you up. And uh, nobody wants to explain that to a doctor at 3 a.m., but uh, but what's interesting is only about 10% of people can do this. And the reason why is their gut flora produce larger amounts of methane. So Ooh. that's literally the, the chief reason why. Instead of, of more sulfur compounds, they produce more, more methane. And methane is flammable. So methane burns pretty hot, which could explain it burning blue. And if it breaks down into phosphine then it would actually burn hotter. So I think that's a pretty decent argument. But there's one more I'd like to talk about. 
and this could be a medical weird thing, because there have been instances, very rare. Do not use this as an excuse. It will not get you out of court. But there have been instances of people driving drunk and getting pulled over and getting arrested and getting in trouble. And then upon being evaluated by a physician, they determined that there's actually something quite wrong with that person's uh, gut flora. And in fact, that their body is producing alcohol on its own. It's literally taking the sugars and carbs they're consuming Ooh. And the yeasts in their, their guts are actually making alcohol. And so it's possible for a person to not consume alcohol at all and be very, very drunk. Now, here's my question to you guys. If somebody had yeast or bacteria, by the way, yeast isn't a bacteria, it's a fungus, single-celled, but still. if I'm just going to simplify it. If somebody has single-celled organisms <laughs> in their gut... And those organisms like carbohydrates and sugar, and they like to turn it into alcohol. If that person consumed a lot of alcohol for many years, would that not create a favorable condition for more and more of those bacteria to live? Huh. And if something happened, say an infection or uh, intense round of antibiotics, Something that caused mass die-out of competitive unicellular organisms, then couldn't that person end up having some kind of imbalance with their gut flora where they're producing large quantities of very, very flammable compounds such as ethanol, methanol, phosphine, and methane? What would happen if somebody had just the right combination of those compounds? I think that it would be possible that person might burst into flame. And then the last theory, which I also don't buy into, but I think it's more plausible than static electricity, and it's the scariest one, by the way, because the other one you have some control over. Uh, this one's just scary. Um, and that is that there's a theoretical idea um, that there could be a kind of very small, high-energy subatomic particle that we're bombarded with constantly, kind of like, you know, things that cause cancer. We're bombarded by things that cause cancer, but we usually don't develop it. Um, well, maybe there's something that if it hits an electron in your body, it just causes a cascade effect. It causes all the water in you to evaporate, and then you just burst into flame. Now, that's purely theoretical, but it would explain the fact that there are people who do go against the norm. There are people who are not overweight, alcoholic, elderly women. Uh, there, there are instances of thin people. I mean, again, I don't, I don't trust the whole baby Raul story, but if that is the case, that really flies in the face of what I was describing. So hmm. those are the three arguments, but I'm most inclined to think that some sort of very uncommon uh, microbiome imbalance and the subsequent waste products is what causes it. That's my theory. Jeez Louise, wow. James. I, like, at least the, the, cause I don't give too much credence to the static electricity thing or the, Likewise. yeah, or the, the last one that you mentioned that is terrifying. If yeah. something like that did happen. I do agree that if, if this was something, the second theory, the gut biome might be the most likely, mm. but pff, Alex, you've got some, you've got some things that are going to try to disprove 
spontaneous combustion, right? Yeah, and it seems like James is going to be uh, a little on board. I mean, I, I could tell he was holding himself back a little bit. He sure was, was, James. You did a good job. <laughs> Thank you. I, I could feel it. I could feel it. Um, but yeah, so there's a few things. One of the most basic and maybe least scientific arguments, but also one that makes a very poignant point, is if, so, if spontaneous human combustion was a real phenomenon, wouldn't it happen more often? 200 times in 300 years? Yeah. I mean, there are weird, strange things that have happened, you know, very little. But it's really strange. And the implication that we're able to just spontaneously combust implies that we are ourselves enough fuel to keep a flame going. And Mm -hmm. there's a little merit to a certain aspect of that. But the argument there would be, why do we never burst into flames anywhere that would be, I guess, unusual? Like, why don't why wouldn't we burst into flames while swimming or in a bathtub or scuba diving? Like like we would we would still have the necessary elements to create the flame and combust. That's a good point. But we don't do it in those elements. We only do it at home on the couch <laughs> or sitting next to a fireplace. A lot of cases that I read happen next to a fireplace or in a kitchen next to a stove. Right, and and, and we're you know our human bodies are made out of. 60 to 70% non-flammable water. So it's just, it seems very unlikely that we ourselves would be able to generate the spontaneous part of the combustion. Hmm. Seems very, very improbable. Now, Hmm. one of the arguments here about it is that, yes, we could put, we could, like I said, combust, but just not spontaneously. And that. Again, the spontaneous is the key nature that we're arguing here, not just that we can catch on fire. But what it does look like is that what usually happens is something that's actually called the wick effect. And the wick effect is the thing that really seems to explain this phenomena of how spontaneous combustion victims are left I guess, and their remains appear. Now, the Wick effect, the best way I saw it described was actually just on a Google search over at, w- at Wikipedia. And it's pretty lame to go to Wikipedia, but they did have the best description. And they said it's a partial o- or total destruction of a human body by fire when the clothing of the victim soaks up melted human fat and acts <sighs> like the wick of a candle. No. Yeah, people candles. Yeah. And so it's, it's found to be uh, occur in very specific conditions, but it has been observed often, actually. That's yeah. awful. Which brings me to 2011, one of the most recent cases in Ireland. See, so told you I'd give I'd have a shout out. Um, <laughs> it does tend to be in places where people wear a lot of layers, maybe a wool sweater, um, things like that. So it, it definitely is peculiar. You don't really hear about... Uh, you know, skinny dippers bursting into flame. Yeah. Mm, right, right. And and even back in 1998, James, they recreated this wick effect um, with a dead pig. They wrapped it up in, in cloth and a blanket, 
and they lit it on fire. And what was left behind after they did that? The feet, the the limbs were left. The core burnt, but the 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 limbs were left. Now the reason the limbs are left with humans, and in the case of this pig, is that fat again is the fuel for the fire. There's not much much fat in our hands and feet. Yeah, which is why those are the things that are still remaining after we after these events. And so, you know, this can't, the, your, your, that snuggly blanket you're using or the, that big coat, it's just acting like a candle wick while you slowly, yeah. you slowly burn. Oh my gosh. And it is yeah. worth noting that uh, a disproportionate number of these people, the vast majority, also were known as smokers and like would smoke mm-hmm. in yes. bed. Yep. yep. And, and they would be drinking, like we said earlier mm-hmm. in a lot of those stories. Spill some alcohol on them, get a little bit of the cigarette on them, and just uh, slowly melt away. Oh, my. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of fun for you. And that's that's really the main argument here against spontaneous combustion is it looks like it's just the, the wick effect taking place on yeah. people that have had alcohol or are smoking and have just lit themselves right. on fire. Just day. another my, my reason only, to avoid smoking. Yeah. Well, my, my only skepticism on that is the fact that there have been witnesses who see a blue flame. And I'm not saying it's impossible. And I'm not saying that all cases stem from this, because, again, I think the wick effect explains like 90% of cases. But I can't envision a scenario where human fat would get hot enough to burn blue. That's like the only real kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And, and I guess that brings another question to my mind that I didn't quite find the answer to maybe because I couldn't figure out a good way to search it. Blue flame can be a few things. It can be temperature, but can also be because of a fuel source. What color does right. fat burn? I don't know. Normally, normally like a yellowish orange, not very okay. hot. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What, type, what 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 color does a human wrapped in a blanket with this burning? Fat? Yeah, that's the big question. I don't know. We didn't never do that in chemistry class, but uh, no. <laughs> so it is possible. We need to push for more children to study this. So. Oh my goodness! Mm. Oh. Well, listen, you guys, that's spontaneous human combustion. Do you guys have any parting words? Mm. Don't drink and smoke in yeah, a warm blanket. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Listen, you don't need that alcohol. Put it down. There's water. Water is so much better for you. And then also, your lungs will appreciate it if you avoid the cigs. Um, I just want to say... Is this a public service announcement? Yes. I want our listeners to be as... I want our listeners to be as healthy uh, as possible. If somebody has (laughs) HIV, you can hug them. Yes. (laughs) G.I. Joe! (laughs) Uh, James. You know what we're talking about next week? Uh, no. He sure doesn't because he had no idea. But next week we're going to talk about magical spells through history. Oh. The use of magic through history. So it's going to be a fun episode next week. We're going to get all um, witchy, I guess. Oh. Um, Witch, please. Witch, please. 
Tune in. That's what I'm asking you to do. Okay, so Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find us music on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, anywhere you listen to music. So until next week. <laughs> so until next week, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. straight.